right. Well, so today we have the pleasure of welcoming Gabe Martin, who is, are you the leader of this group or just a member of this group? Yes, I'm, I'm the leader. Okay. So the leader of Timberhaven Vikings, which, you know, those of you who have watched the podcast before or listened to the podcast know that CJ and I are Oregonians. I'm in Portland and CJ is in Bend, which is in central Oregon. And Gabe is here in Portland with me. I mean, not in the same room with me, but in Portland. And so Timberhaven is uh, a chapter of Vikings North America that is uh, situated here in the greater Portland area. Is that right? Yes, yes. Okay. And then how, how many members are in this group? Uh, right now, Timberhaven has about 10 active members. Okay. Um, that number goes up and down. Um, we're we're uh, sort of actively recruiting right now. And we've got uh, about four new prospective members working their way into uh, basic kit, which I can get into later what basic kit means. Okay, great. Well, hopefully maybe our podcast can help you recruit some members. Um, and we'll put <laughs> we'll put links to the site and such um, in the show notes. But um, I mean, thank, thank you again for being willing to come on and talk to us. I mean, we've got, you know, the subtitle, I guess, is, uh, of our um, podcast here is the art and science of the Viking age. And we like to talk about all different aspects of it. CJ and I are both historians and I've gone sort of the, you know, academic route and I teach. And CJ has gone the writer's route and he writes, um, you know, historical fiction set in the Viking era. But we're also interested in, you know, just different ways that people experience this history. Right. And uh, so we've wanted to talk to somebody who was involved in reenactment um, just to kind of get a sense of what that's all about. I, I've gone to some SCA events over the years and stuff, um, but I, you know, I think CJ, maybe you have a little bit more experience with people who do reenacting than I do. I think I have more contact, but I don't have experience in being immersed into those groups. I've had a lot of readership from reenactment groups. In fact, these these shields were fan mail from people in reenactment groups who were who were <laughs> smitten with my books. And uh, this one was from a gentleman named Acorn Everhart in uh, Northern California, formerly of the Dark Boar Vikings, and he loved my books. It was like a be an honor if I could send you one of my shields. I was like, okay, I didn't believe it. And then it showed up in the mail. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, it <laughs> I even ended up in the mailbox. Uh, well, it's a big, but I have a, a reel of it where I have a big, you know, <laughs> it showed up in this giant box with the foam in it. And then, uh, and then the relationship with Acorn continued as I released more books, he sent me more shields. So I'm at three now. Plus I have uh, some more shields downstairs because there's a little bit of a competition between uh, some of the reenactment groups where this one ended up on a book cover. And then another group was like, Oh, we heard that you put the, you know, so then they sent me a shield <laughs> in the hopes that I might put it on a book cover. So it's just a fun little thing, but yes, I don't, I haven't, um, I haven't jumped into a group or really had like the full experience. So I'm very curious to learn today from you, Gabriel, how that all works. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to like <laughs> trot out the the phrase that keeps kind of coming to mind for me, especially with um, Vikings, and that's weekend warrior, because <laughs> it just felt when, <laughs> when I talked to one of the other members of your group um, at the scan fair, which is held here in Portland uh, in what December, um, you know, celebrating like all things Scandinavian and you all had a booth there and then you did some presentations and stuff. I watched the one on, on Viking Age clothing, but one of the, your members, and I can't remember his name anyway, and we were talking at the booth and then he's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I just like to go camping and this just seemed like a fun thing to do. <laughs> so I was kind of like, okay, so there's all different <laughs> levels of engagement with this uh, Viking history. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, your group and, um, how often you guys do this thing and actually what is this thing that you guys do? Okay. Um, well, Timberhaven, as, as you already mentioned, is, is a uh, chapter. We're, we're the Portland, Oregon chapter of Vikings North America. And uh, we, we like to say our mission, our goal is to educate and entertain the public on the history of, of uh, Viking culture and that era. Um, and also, I'm, I'm I'm fully cognizant of the nuances of the word Viking, but you know I'm just going to say Viking as opposed to early medieval Scandinavians, because <laughs> a lot of people are going to say what what what's that Vikings? But 
But uh, yeah, and, and so our goal is to educate and entertain. Um, we're always looking for new terms to call what we do to differentiate us from other uh, groups and, 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 and not to belittle them or make us sound better than them. But what we do is different than what cosplayers do or what LARPers do. Um, we're a little bit closer to what they do in the SCA, but we're a little bit different than what they do in the SCA. Uh, the term I've been using for a couple of years is high fidelity re historical reenactment. But then uh, I just heard the term find-based reenactment, and I kind of like that better than high fidelity. And uh, meaning we, we, we try to focus our material uh, goods that we wear and that we use and the tools and the weapons uh, based off of finds, archaeological finds. And, and we try to follow, uh, my personal philosophy is I try to follow the uh, evidence, uh, the three main uh, columns of evidence, which would be uh, archaeological, literature, and art. And if I can click off two of those boxes, and that's something I'm going to work with. And, and the rest of the group kind of does the same thing. Um, like we said earlier, I'm the leader of Timberhaven, but we don't have personas or characters. Uh, we, it does help to have a kind of focus. Like I kind of focus on a middle-class uh, uh, male uh, out of Utland, a Ute um, from, from like Ripa or the, like the West coast of the Danish, Danish area. And uh that's why I have like a collection of like, I have a fishing net, I have buckets um, <laughs> and stuff like that. But we also, and I kind of do like this middle-class presentation or what we call an impression. And so I'm a middle-class man. Uh, maybe I have a boat and I go fishing and stuff, but uh, I also, we can also gauge that up and down. Like I can on, on, and that's one thing that we do when we put together a demonstration is we kind of figure out what we're playing that weekend. And like, well, you're going to be the chieftain guy in charge. So you wear the rich stuff. I'll wear the poor stuff, that kind of thing. So are you a host, Carl? Yeah, I mean, we, we, do, we just, we, what was that? Are you a host, Carl? A host, Carl? In your middle class? <laughs> I, can, I can be one if I wanted to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it also depends on the definition of that because it kind of varies on where you go. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Okay, so go ahead then. And where do you go? Where do you all do this around the Portland area? Oh, uh, normally we work uh, Nordic Northwest events. We kind of have a part, a loose partnership with them. Um, so just this past weekend, we did uh, the the Mid uh, Oregon Midsummer Festival that was at the Nordic Northwest campus. And uh, past years, it's been at Oaks Park, and we've been doing that since 2017 or 2018. I'm not sure. But uh, we're pretty active with that. Uh, we've been doing scan fair since 2017, which you mentioned earlier. That's the winter festival in December. Uh, we've been doing that one consistently since 2017. And then uh, lately, we've been doing Viking Beer Festival. Um, I'm, I'm actually in charge of organizing the Vikings and the Viking Beer Festival. I'm not in charge of the beer or the festival. Just the Viking part. <laughs> what do the Vikings do? Well, what we uh, last year was the first year, and so we weren't quite sure. <laughs> Nobody was sure Viking beer, what Viking beer festival was going to look like, including Nordic Northwest, and it exploded and it was really awesome. So, <laughs> but uh, what I what I did was I organized uh, some vendors who were selling historical and, and some non I, mean, I was selling t-shirts like this one <laughs> but we were selling things uh we did some fight demonstrations some martial demonstrations uh not only are we members of the vikings north america but we're also members of the northwest viking alliance and so we have a bunch of uh allied groups up north in the puget around the puget sound area so a few of them came down and we did some uh martial demonstrations with them uh, they sold uh, one of my friends, uh, William Getz, up in Yarnburg, which is uh, around Tacoma. Uh, he's a silversmith, so he was selling silver bracelets and silver rings. Uh, there's another uh, a couple, uh, Robert and Lita, who have uh, Raven Wolf furnishings. 
and they came down they're selling bookshelves and little little viking chests kind of like things like this yeah okay and uh, uh by the way i don't sit around at my desk at home surrounded by my viking stuff but i'm still unpacking and repacking for we, we just had midsummer festival and i'm still going through my stuff and then I have another event, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. So I'm, Quran, I'm kind of surrounded by a bunch of Viking junk. Right oh, <laughs> You're making fun of CJ with his shields in the background. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you have to have yeah, I even have for inspiration. <laughs> and your helmet. Yeah, I mean, like, I have my arrows behind me and <laughs> my little head of quiver and stuff like that. But Nice. Wow, nice. So do you all can't like, so you, you're talking about like a lot of events related stuff, but do you all kind of just go and camp out somewhere and just sort of, you know, spend the weekend or a few days living like Norse people or. That's, that's, that's the goal sometimes um, for events like midsummer. Uh, we were, we, we try to focus on being more of a, a, a living exhibit. Like if you were to walk into a museum but but instead of you looking at a bunch of uh, wax dummies or whatever they use in museums, we're living people, and uh, we 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 try to act like you know like we have little setups. Uh, like I had a display where I was weighing silver, and then people would ask me like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm weighing this silver because I'm trying to get 20 grams of silver because 20 grams of silver will buy you a lot of." egg laying chickens and and stuff like that and i would have my scale and i had the weights and i and then i have i have real silver coins but i usually don't leave those out on display because they're worth money but but i have pewter coins that are replicas and then i'll weigh it out and go oh look that's 20 grams of of silver coins and that'll get you 600 chickens shipped to your farm and stuff like that and uh we kind of do things like that um we have a couple people in the group members of the group who uh bind and so they make knit caps and socks and stuff like that. And uh, that ha- that always has a, that always is a big draw when it comes. And that's one of the things uh, that I, I like to stipulate is, is we we under we are totally cognizant that that combat is a big draw. And when Timberhaven was first formed uh, eight or nine years ago, we knew that combat was a big deal. And, but we tried to buck that trend and we focused on crafts and uh, education. I mean, n- none of us are professional educators like you guys. Uh, I, 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 when I got out of the Navy, uh, I went to college and found out that I was horrible at college. And so, <laughs> and so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good in a classroom at all. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's why I was in the Navy. <laughs> but uh so, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't like to say that we are educators, but I like to say that we, we can be living exhibits, we're reenactors, uh, we're archaeological experimenters. That's another thing that we do is we replicate a find and then we use it. Let's say it's a tool and then uh, and, and not that we're keeping data in some scientific way, but I do have a journal and I do memorize in my head what a tool did. And then I can relate my experiences if someone asks. And maybe that'll help somebody out. How big do you get with some of these? So like tools could be one thing, but have you ever sort of ventured into like, let's build a Viking ship or something like that? <laughs> um, some, not Timberhaven and not currently. Um, the end of July, um, I'm doing a thing called Vacation, And it's a Viking vacation. And it's a 10-day invite only uh so and they, they try to make it immersive and this is mostly through uh, some sca people that i know but uh some people i know own some land and uh, farmland in ridgefield and they've been making historical structures and so we're going to work on a miniature uh viking longhouse and uh but in a situation like that we have to weigh historical accuracy with modern safety and ability <laughs> yeah. and so i mean we're going to use power tools but <laughs> CJ, we got to go up and check this out while they're doing it. I know we gotta. We have to jump in and and uh, kind of have this experience. It sounds a lot like what you're doing. I mean, I like the idea that you're creating a character, right? A middle class. You know, do, do, do you give your character a name, and then do you have to stay in character while you're while you're you know being the living history exhibit? Um, I I leave that up to the individual. Um. 
it, it, and not that I want to speak poorly of the SCA or other groups, but I've having been involved in in, in both LARPing and the SCA in the past, uh, there's a reason why I don't do those things. And I think a pe some people can get a little too deep into their characters. And I like to say, hi, my name's Gabe. I, I like Viking stuff as opposed to, ooh, my name is Rolo and speaking a funny accent and stuff like that. I, I think it's kind of cheesy and it kind of takes away from what I'm trying to do with the public. But uh, I leave it up. And, and then, like I said earlier, it kind of helps when you do pick a name and build a little bit of a character. Um, it helps you kind of focus what you're doing. So you're not just randomly buying Viking crap off the internet and, and, and which we've all made that mistake. I mean, if there's anything I can do is I can tell you how to save eight to $900. If you're, if you're going to get into reenactment <laughs> For, first rule, don't buy a sword. <laughs> don't do not buy a sword. <laughs> if you're going to get into reenactment seriously. I'm fortunate enough to have a friend who's a blacksmith. So if I ever want anything, I just, I show him and he's, he's familiar with all the, all the Viking sword designs. Uh, oh, I always forget. What's the name of the guy that did the, the classifications? Um, oh, Peterson. Yeah. Peterson. There we go. He's got, he's got a whole list so he can just <laughs> fire one of those up real. And he's very skilled and, uh, and it's cheap because he's a friend, you know, he's like, Oh, I'll just do it for fun. He just likes practicing. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> experience points <laughs> so when you're when you're uh, recreating things i mean how how deep in the weeds do you get in terms of the things that you are recreating uh and it i'm gonna i'm gonna throw something your way here it's it's just for fun but also i'm just curious how um one of the things that speaking of archaeology and i had a conversation with a friend recently about how how close we are to the Vikings, even though we think we're really far away in terms of like the daily, daily access or like the access to like daily things that we're used to in our lives, like, like tweezers and Q-tips. And, and so I'm going to share my screen real quick. I'm just going to share, share screen, just this, this little section. Can you see that picture? Oh yeah, that's nice. And oh yeah, just yeah. the picture, hopefully, and not my background. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is from the Swedish National Museum traveling exhibit. This was when I was in Nantes in France, and it happened to be at the Chateau of Nantes. So we, I have a bunch of pictures from it. So this is a grooming kit. So you have a, a mortar here where they would mix their makeup. You have a big, you know, washing bowl. I think it's made of bronze. Um, they have these combs that are made from. Uh, presumably bone i don't know if it's the antler antler bone i don't recall um but then if you look over the lower left hand corner side so you have tweezers so they could pluck their eyebrows and other things right uh and two forms of tweezers you have yeah it's kind of the fat ones and the little ones and then over in the lower right hand corner you have ear picks so they could clean the wax out of the ears and and these are things that most people don't think about, they think, oh, it's a barbaric age and they just kind of lived in this primordial time when they didn't, you know, and they're they not realizing that like a lot of the small grooming tools that we use today were were well available back then. But so how far into the minutiae do you guys get when it comes to this sort of thing? I mean, are you making Viking tweezers and toenail clippers or are you, you know, it's uh, uh, how, yeah, how, how deep does the rabbit hole go for you? Um. Well, everything you showed in that picture, I have a replica of, um, except for the bronze bowl. And uh, actually, could you do me a favor and pop that back up? Oh, yeah. Here, I have to open it again. Let's see. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. All good. Well, I'm, 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 and just a forewarning, I'm about ready to, well, actually, you. But <laughs> uh, so, so. The upper left, what you called a mortar, what we found is, yeah, that thing, that's that that's actually, uh, well, the, the main theory amongst reenactors is that's a candle and or a uh, lantern. And you fill it full of fat, you wind a wick around the nipple in the middle, and then that's what you use for light. Interesting. I can see that. And that's and, and it looks like the, uh, the piece in between the bowl and the uh, lantern is probably a remnant from one of those and looks like the one on the left is actually a replica and then you have the flint and steel right below it and yeah i, I actually sell flint and steel to members of northwest white because I, I have a pretty i have somebody who makes them 
but yeah, that's a flint and steel there below the lantern. And then you have the belt tip in the lower left corner next to the tweezers. Middle, you got the combs. And over on the right, you have the ear spoons. I have a couple ear spoons. I've actually made some ear spoons um, out of wood. But those actually come in really handy to clean your ears when you're out for a weekend. Anyways, but, <laughs> but yeah, we go pretty deep. I mean, like I said, everything in that picture, except for the big bronze bowl, I have some form of in my collection. And it's it's too bad I didn't take a picture of the the explanation, you know, plaque that had all of these things on there. I'm just trying to, I'm just going off of memory and I'm by no means an expert on, yeah, on these yeah. archaeological <laughs> things. So I, 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 guess I, I didn't I didn't want to I, that's one of the th one of the things that uh and 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 uh kind of parallel to being the spoiler and the well actually guy, but uh one one of one of the things I have to look at is when we're invited. Uh, people when people want us to come to their event i have to figure out what what they're trying to accomplish at their event and whether we fit in or not and a lot of times i call i call us the the spoilers because people will come up to us and we'll have to like you know they'll ask us questions and i'm sure you guys have done this before and you have to kind of go well actually they didn't do that <laughs> and, then, and then they get kind of mad at you because you're breaking apart their fantasy of, of what vikings looked like and stuff like that and and it, it kind of upsets me sometimes when that happens oh i actually have a replica of those scissors <laughs> yeah it's uh i, I they're, remember they're, going they were cheaply made and they don't work very well but yeah they, they i just find it fascinating that that they had all the small comforts that we consider to be very modern right but in in some shape or form they actually have absolutely them. I, I, I think it humanizes them and i think it it brings us closer to them as well because they're they're often in the popular culture made to be, you know, the heathen other, the the kind of the this other mystical, you know, and then the more we peel back, you know, it's like, first of all, they're human. And second of all, they weren't that far removed from us. Right. You know, it's it. it, it yeah. A thousand years. But, no. you know, in the in the the vast, you know, history of humanity. Uh, what is it now? I think didn't they find a homo sapiens skull in Morocco? That's almost 200,000 years old. Like it's rewriting all the all the history books but anyway so <laughs> humans have been around for a long time right so like between us and the vikings versus between yeah, us humans and, like to be clean yeah and we like exactly I, was, I had a conversation with a friend oh this is a good question for you too i had a conversation with a friend where i was like for my historical fiction novels i was trying to figure out like okay we know they had cleanliness but here's a really important question did they have soap so I did a deep dive into the history of soap and soap goes all the way back to like Sumeria almost, right? Um, so like, do you guys have, have like Viking soaps that you sell? That'd be kind of a fun thing to add to your repertoire. No, uh, we, and, and that's actually something I've researched because I have a, I have just a general interest in soap that stems back from my nineties uh, fanboyishness of, of uh, the movie in the book fight club. <laughs> and, and of course i'm i've, I've grown out of that now <laughs> and it was, but it was fun to, to take fight club really seriously when you're a 24 year old male in the 90s and fresh out of the military <laughs> but uh soap is 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 like like they kind of said in fight club and to paraphrase that soap is kind of like the bedrock of of, of uh civilization as soon as we figured out soap, we figured out everything else. It seems like sometimes, <laughs> which is so handy. Not people started living yeah. twenty years longer. <laughs> well, it's it's not intuitive either, right? Like to in from the modern lens, no. you don't look back at history and go, "Oh, they had soap." You know, that's it's you think of it as like a modern luxury, uh, and part of it is just because of the modern slant on it, right? I think nineteenth century, the nineteenth century is probably the dirtiest century ever um because they they really <laughs> they had all of these things they just chose not to use them <laughs> and then louis pasteur a french guy came out and was like look but it's bad you look at these things you know and then and then people start going oh that's why the vikings did it <laughs> doesn't help when you coal fire all you have to do is comb your hair and everything turns out okay <laughs> actually we have several sources like from outsiders describing you know the relative cleanliness of the nordic peoples and one of them talked about or talks about them bathing every saturday and how and the danes in particular and how that gave them um better luck with the women folk <laughs> because of their cleanliness <laughs>
Well, they have those nice mustaches. You know how the ladies can't resist a good mustache. Oh, yeah, I can. I can. <laughs> I can. Sorry, no offense. I can. <laughs> we talked about that with Dan Carlin about the that phenomenon during the Dane Law when the Anglo-Saxon men were all up in an upheaval because the Anglo-Saxon women were really attracted to the Danes who were clean and groomed and you know and of course the, and I, there's a great meme that's going around on the internet recently where it sh has a character from uh the show that girl where he's just got that that look of disgust you know just like, huh. and it just said you know like <laughs> anglo-saxon men looking at the clean danes attracting their wives you know like <laughs> <laughs> well and also the the so we have evidence you know that i think there's that there's that passage from uh john of wallingford who was a monk who wrote about they 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 recognized that they were dirty, right? At least you know the. He, I think he wrote. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he wrote something to the effect of, you know, the the smeller the smellier we are, the holier we are, right? Because there's this idea that vanity was a bad thing in Christianity. So, but but again, yes. would, does that apply to everybody who's Christian at the time? No, it's just the monks who took it to an extreme, <laughs> right? Um, and then, but then, what do well, we know also, from history? It's what they wrote. Yeah. And, and also, and I, I would refer to you guys because I never really researched this too much. But there is a, the 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 famous writing. I think it was a letter somebody was writing to somebody, and it came out of the 12th century, so post Viking period. But they were talking. They were talking about how the Dane, uh, the Danish men were stealing all the Anglo-Saxon women, and uh, it, it, if you take it out of context. That's what it sounds like. But from what I've seen and other people discuss was that it was the later period. And what what was actually going on was somebody was kind of talking crap about women. And and so that's why they brought that up. And so that's why I always kind of take that with a grain of salt. But but what we do know is everybody and, and this kind of loops back to something that I, I like to discuss a lot about in public is is the perception of warrior culture and uh majority of cultures back then were warrior cultures and i don't want to give the vikings a more distinct higher level of warrior culture than anglo-saxons um i'll throw normans into it even though normans kind of have a, a a viking origin but within a generation or two they were distinctly norman and uh they they they, they went norman as fast as they possibly could and did a pretty good job of it because uh, <laughs> Norman legacy is still alive today. <laughs> but they were well, right uh, about it because they did it because uh, it benefited them to do so. So that was a very Viking thing to yes. do. Mm -hmm. Money was good. Yeah. And when money's good, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you want me to be Christian? Done. You want to call me Robert instead of Rolo? Fine. Yeah. I don't care. Just as long as sure. you're paying. <laughs> <laughs> You look at Charlemagne. The money's and, flowing in, and I got all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you look at Charlemagne and his, you know, the the Frank the Frankish tribe. You know, they were a strong warrior culture, and it quite similar to what later we would identify with Viking warrior culture, right? Which is as, as a as a lord or the top guy, how you keep the loyalty of your men is you continue to make them rich, and so you see that in the expansionism of the Carolingian Empire where Charlemagne couldn't sit still, right? And everybody says, oh, well, it's because him, he wanted to go conquer. Really, he was just trying to keep his his close, you know, the, the Fidelis is what they called them, his his uh, loyal warriors, you know, close, right? He didn't want to lose them. He, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you're not plundering, you're not making money. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, if, if, you're, if your people aren't happy, then they're not your people anymore. And that's kind of extension, you know, one of the aspects of your power. So I have a Absolutely. question um, with regard to like, say, Viking Age, spiritual sort of stuff, or at least in the pre-Christian period, um, just kind of curious, a couple of different things. If, you know, some of your members maybe are, because the word heathen came out just a little bit ago, and that's kind of stuck in my mind. If they're they're heathens now, if they're, you know, Ausatruar, are they, you know, people who are kind of part of this neo-pagan movement? Um, or do you have much to do with, you know, kind of that the spiritual or the, that sort of worldview kind of side of, of the Viking Age, um, primarily in the pre-Christian period? Because I know, I mean, that's what draws a lot of my students to interest in the Vikings is the whole kind of, you know, Norse mythology 
part of it. So does it, does your group have any experience with that or? Uh, yeah. Uh, first and foremost, Timberhaven is a non-religious, non-political agency. Uh, we, 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 we don't push any of that and we try to stay out of it unless there's a historical context to it. And uh, member also, and I just want to put this on the table, Timberhaven is inclusive. And uh, we, we um, I mean, right off the bat, I'm a person of color and, and uh, your, your, your genetic test has nothing to do with your, your membership in Timberhaven. <laughs> And uh, I'm I'm barely Scandinavian. I'm mostly Thai and Finnish. Well, Finns are Scandinavian, but Finns are always like we're not Scandinavian. We have a different language, and, you know. <laughs> but uh, but but and, and I am also and not tooting my own horn or anything here, but just putting it on the table. I'm also one of the uh, few uh, Asian leaders of a Viking reenactment group. That, <laughs> that that's out there <laughs> yay i get that t-shirt but uh and also we have members in our group who are part of the lgbtq community and uh so and and then we we always want to make sure people know that we're not um anything but that but inclusive um that out of the way uh we have had instances where people got angry with us because we asked for historical precedent and provenance to some heathenry, like, and a lot of it is modern. And, 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 and to be frank, I was a saw true back in the nineties and early two thousands, but, uh, but I'm not that anymore. I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm an atheist, <laughs> but, uh, the uh, we do have members in our, in Timberhaven that are Christian. We have members that are heathen. We have members that are atheist. And uh, the thing is, it never comes up because we don't mess around with that stuff, because a lot of it, we don't have the historical precedents for it. And uh, so that's kind of how we play that game. We, we do have uh, up north in the Northwest Viking Alliance. There are members who do uh, bloats and stuff like that. They're a little bit more heathen. The interest is there. That's fine by me. But again, you're not going to find uh, anyone in Timberhaven under the guise of Timberhaven doing rituals or anything like that. Um, now, when it comes to the academic side of that, I know that there's a lot of uh, stuff that's been written. Uh, Neil Price, his book, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of his book, like The Viking Way or something like that. Yeah, The Viking Way, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have the book. I haven't read it yet. So mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what he... Yeah, mine's right over there. Yeah, <laughs> I just turned around because mine's right there on the chair. Yeah, it's like, it's the Viking way. It's uh, magic and mind in late Iron Age Scandinavia. And so um, it's a pretty deep dive into kind of the whole sort of spiritual sort of and magic and and all of that, you know, the cosmology of the, of the time. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I got a copy of it two years ago, um, but I, I haven't, I haven't, looked into it yet but then again it's not something i'm focusing on in what i study and also I, I like to i like to say that everyone's like oh what are you researching and it's like i'm not a scientist or an academic so i'm not researching anything i'm reading other people's research i study other people's research because <laughs> no one no one's asking me to write a paper about anything so i'm not doing any research Although I see and I can understand that, right? I mean, we we've both, you know, written and published things, but we definitely, as historians that are primarily educators, we rely on, you know, the other people in academia to do the research, historians and archaeologists, and then write the work. And then we, you know, take our responsibility to, you know, educate the public based on, you know, having a deep knowledge of that work, right, CJ? Yeah, I mean, we uh, I think we're we're definitely within um, we, we, uh, definitely have the abilities to evaluate and digest and assess and see how it expands, uh, the way that we, we, uh, educate on that topic for sure. Yeah. So, so I mean, there's, that's, uh, any history course, when you first start out to talk about secondary versus primary sources. So if it's a trusted secondary source, which is someone who evaluated the primary sources, which could be, um, documentation, archeology, et cetera, and then puts them into essentially the historical context. And then uh, it's important to analyze those and evaluate them, you know, for their veracity and so forth. 
but yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially what you're doing. So you're doing basically 90% of the work of the historian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think uh, my, my goal though, after, after, after I, after I study your guys' work, my goal is a good Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to ask though, also now I'm going to piggyback on what you were just saying about um, inclusivity, because when you go to these various events and it's not just, you know, maybe your group, you know, maybe going and camping or doing, you know, things with amongst yourselves, but you're kind of presenting to the public. Do you ever run across any of the kind of white supremacists sort of like you're teaching about Vikings, you're teaching white supremacy, or or why do you want to be interested in Vikings because they were white supremacists or any of that kind of stuff? Yes. <laughs> uh on, on on many accounts. And also a lot of there's a lot of sexism out there as well. And uh but but uh I mean I I can go on about all these little different incidences and stuff like that. Um, the, the, the main thing, I, as, a, as a leader of Timberhaven, the main thing I look for is uh, a lot of online interactions and like people wanting to join, like get on our Facebook page or something like that. Um, I do look at their Facebook <clears throat> um, profile before I before I accept their membership on our, on our public page. And that's why our public page on Facebook is closed off as well. Because we've had a lot of um, people get on there and get kind of aggressive over over a lot of different things, not just from white supremacists, but uh, again, we've had we've had uh, heathens and uh, modern day practitioners of of, of Asatru uh, get on our page and 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 kind of bully people around a little bit. Um, I've had I've had SCA people get on there and be jerks, and and that's always something I'm kind of looking out for. Is is I want I want our online stuff, and I know this is not historical, <laughs> but it's just part of the modern aspect of what we have to deal with. But uh, I try to make things comfortable and as comfortable as I can uh, on on our public spaces and stuff like that. And uh, but yeah, I mean, multiple times I've been asked, uh, "How Scandinavian do you need to be to be in your group?" Um, because I just took my spit test and all that stuff. And uh, I'm, and like I said earlier, it's like none. <laughs> and then it puzzles people like, like the look on their faces, how is this possible? And I was like, it's really possible because you're looking at me doing it right now. And I've, I've got like 2% Dane or Norwegian or something. In and so <laughs> and it's all, it's all about what you want to do and what, how much money you got in your bank account, basically, because this hobby is also expensive. So. So are the people who are getting on these pages and, and bullying and stuff, are they doing it in terms of um, pushing what they think is like the correct interpretation of the Viking age or something? Yeah. Or, you know, some, some version of that. Um, again, I mentioned earlier about, about, about uh, being the spoiler uh, that makes a lot of people mad. Um I've literally seen people go off the handle when we told them that the furry shoulders and eyeliner, what I call the Klingon look is, is not Viking. And, <laughs> and then they just go off on me and then it's like, Hey man. <laughs> and then, and also, you know, I, I kind of, I, I've kind of learned a few years back about the whole online consent type philosophy that I've been using, which is uh if I'm asking, if I post a picture of myself in my Viking kit, and this and this is kind of a culture of all the different reenactor Facebook fan groups and pages out there and stuff. And if I post a picture of myself in my Viking kit and on it, I say, critique me, then yes, the door is open for you to, to pick me apart. If I'm just saying, hello, my name is Gabe. I like Vikings. That's not an invite for you to take apart my shoes. And, and, uh, I see that a lot, like people just introducing themselves. Hi, thank you for, you know, inviting me to your page. And then people get mad when they, uh, post up a picture of themselves in Viking kit, but they're wearing their glasses. And some people will freak out about the wearing of glasses while on Viking kit. 
And I just in Timberhaven, I have a whole rule on that, too, that I've instituted. Like safety and comfort is number one. But if we're posing for pictures or if we're doing like what we call a Viking uh, fashion show, you need to take your glasses off. But if you're just sitting in camp and you're sewing something, go ahead and put your glasses back on. And, and that's kind of the rule. But there's a lot stricter groups out there who basically tell you if you have to wear glasses, you can't do this. CJ, that reminds me of what you talk about with the characters that you write in your books, where, you know, they're set in a period of time that's the Viking Age, and you're trying to be as authentic as possible, but you also have to make it relatable to modern people, right? I mean, you can't, you have to acknowledge we don't live in the 10th century. Right. And that was, that was uh, Gabe, to something you said earlier uh, that um, I picked up on and then I just haven't followed up with yet. But yes, that was, that's the the authenticity piece of it. It's when you're uh, in character and you're inviting people into your camp, for example, and you're showing them all the stuff, do you stay in character or do you break character to explain things? And and to your point of there's, if you go to say the SCA or or another group where they, they stay in character and then they put on a, a funny accent. And it's like, well, you're doing a, a, a funny <laughs> accent in a language that didn't exist at the time, right? So how authentic <laughs> could that possibly be? Is that more authentic than just speaking the way that you speak today, right? And, and in the dialogue, I've been criticized for, in my novels, my dialogue sounds too contemporary. And I'm like, well, that's because I'm speaking to a modern audience who's not going to identify with an archaic form of English, which would be just as anachronistic because it didn't exist as a language at the time. And then I got into a fight online with somebody who, because <laughs> I, I said French and English were not languages at the time. And somebody came after me saying, oh, uh, no, I think it was a French person. Oh, no, French was the language at the time because we have a document from the ninth century <laughs> that looks like French, is very close to French. But I'm like, if you were to transport back in time and talk to the people who wrote that, you would have no idea what they were saying. <laughs> so uh, I maintain that. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I we if if you wanted me to be truly authentic or authentic, authentic, um, I should be dead right now. So I mean, how far do you want to go? I mean, I'm I'm a 52 year old man, and so there were there. I think the the I mean, I know I know people weren't dying as young as we like to say. Like, oh, old was 36, but uh, 52 is 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 getting kind of old. And uh, there are still plenty of 52-year-olds running around, but not as many as we have today. And uh, so, so, and that's one thing I've always said is, is like, well, if you want us to be really authentic, authentic, then then most of us in Timberhaven should be dead right now. And uh, so, I mean, how far do you want to drill deep on that? And well, and yeah, I mean, like I said, it 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 all depends on context and consent. And what exactly I'm doing at the moment. Again, if I'm taking a picture and I'm going to post up the picture and I want the picture to look authentic, then I'm, I'm going to do that as hard as I possibly can. If I'm doing a Viking fashion show and I'm showing people, uh, then, then, then I'm going to put on authentic shoes. Why well, wear authentic shoes all the time anyways? That's another huge subject I can go on for, for, for an hour on is uh, levels of authenticity in your shoe. But yeah, then, but but then again, I mean, I had to drive here to the event in a car. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm talking to you over space laser stuff right now. <laughs> so so exactly. I mean, yeah, how how well, far do you want to go on this? And then I've I've been in those arguments too. Like one time, I I I, pit, I bought this uh, ceramic pot, and it was in winter. And I live I live in the city of Portland, Oregon. You know, I I. I and and uh, I, I live in an apartment with my wife and my uh, adult child, and uh, so we. I mean, I don't have a big chunk of land, and so I got this ceramic pot. I wanted to use it. I wanted to break it in. It was winter. I'm not going to go start a fire outside of my apartment, right off of Sandy Boulevard, and then and then burn like hardwood. So I put it on the stove, and I cooked up some chicken stew. Then I took some pictures of it. And then I had some questions about the way I used it. And so I posted it up and uh, somebody, somebody called me out on using an electric stove. And I was like, man, screw you. <laughs> I'm not even asking about the heat source. I'm asking about something else. <laughs> Maybe that should be your next picture. 
right? You'll you'll your next picture of your Viking kit, right? <laughs> hey, hey everybody, it's Gabriel. Here's my new Viking kit. And then there's just gonna be a picture of a, a, a mound of dirt. <laughs> yeah right because then you're you're dead you're buried right i was like yeah not only did i cook the chicken stew in a ceramic pot on an electric stove but you looked at it on a computer over the internet so. yeah. this is uh, an so I do, go ahead cj oh, i was gonna just add in the so i do have a question about so the back to the conversation about in, uh, in, inclusivity is that a word inclusion and mm -hmm. uh making sure that uh anyone who's interested in the topic can jump in and and uh, be a part of it there, there are, I mean, the Vikings do have some very controversial elements to them. And I'm going to share something with you real quick on my screen. We'll see if uh, the Google overlords are going to get mad at this. Um, but I'm willing to take that risk. So do you recognize Slavery. this is? Yeah. <laughs> so this is a slave yeah, collar. It's a slave collar. Yep. And it's, uh, again, back to the Swedish National Museum. They have this, this piece on here. So how how do you guys broach some of these more controversial topics? How do you how do you uh, do you include them at all? And if you do, how do you include them in such a way that uh, it keeps the people who who would otherwise not you know uh, that this could be potentially offensive to you from you know getting offended essentially? If if you can, I don't know if that's possible. Uh, well, just had this conversation recently. Um, and this, this was with some uh, Danish um, counterparts of mine, so some guys that I, I work with out of Denmark who are also reenactors, and they do reenact uh, slavery in, 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 in some of the demonstrations. Um, first and foremost, we're American. Uh, our brand of slavery that we had here for a while, for a long time, uh, I'm not going to say it was different, but uh, it was, it's fresher in my opinion. Um, so as an American Viking reenactor, I want to stay away from it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to put it on the table, but if somebody else puts it on the table, that's when I talk about it. And uh, I have read up on it. So, and then some of the points that I make is, is uh, and, and kind of going back to the, perceived uh hyper warrior culture of the vikings and and a lot of people assume that's why they were successful in what they did um i i counter with actually they were successful because they were good sailors and they had good ships and that's something they had that a lot of people didn't have and everybody had warriors uh on top of that everybody had slaves uh slavery was the machinery of 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 uh industry back then that's how you got things done and uh so and i always ask people if you were a band of vikings on a ship and you were looking to make some money and you came across a fishing village uh what's the one form of loot that's in every single village whether it's a fortress full of warriors to a lowly fishing village what what, what kind of what kind of profitable loot are you going to find in all those places and the answer is people and because you have these ships, you can put people on those ships and then you can take those people far away to a foreign country and sell them off. And that's that's a good way to make money. And uh, it, it, it's a it's a commodity that is, is in high demand and it's and it's, it's a very profitable one. And if you got ships and you can take them someplace where they can never really get away from to a place where they don't even speak the language. I mean, that's how you do it. And it's all unfortunate. Um, as far as ever demonstrating it, Timberhaven has never demonstrated it. We've brought it up. We've chosen not to, at this time, ever demonstrate slavery. And uh, I personally don't want to. And uh, we've also gotten rid of any kind of uh, modern day group dynamics. I know some groups have like, a when you join a Viking reenactment group, uh, they'll call you a thrall um we don't do that and uh if you if, if either one of you were to join timberhaven tomorrow you're an equal member to all the rest of us and that's how we run things modernly uh and then our our goal as more experienced members is to get you to become an experienced member as well and help you along the way doing your clothing right making sure you don't blow 500 bucks on a sword when you don't have a drinking cup yet 
stuff like that. But <laughs> but uh, we don't have any kind of thraldom uh, system. Uh, we also don't even have a probationary system. Um, this weekend, we had a couple new people. Uh, and I always tell new people, if you want to be useful, you choose what you want to do. If you want to chop firewood, go ahead and chop firewood. If you don't want to chop firewood, that's fine. I know how to chop firewood. And I don't, I don't want people feeling like they have to chop my firewood for me and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, when it comes to the history of it, then if it's brought up, then I, I throw a few points down. But other than that, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to delve into it um, or anything like that. I think that's the perfect mix, actually, I mean, because as CJ's heard me say this a hundred times that, you know, that's such a big deal that I'm always trying to drive home with my students is that historical context matters. And it's like, we can be people who are interested in the Viking age. We cannot inhabit the Viking age. It's gone. It's been gone for a millennia, you know, and so it's it's not like we are trying to full stop to the nth degree, become those people because you just can't, you know, pun intended, that ship has sailed. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it's, it's, yeah. you have to figure out then, you know, where you are in that and what your interest in it is. Um, but I mean, the, the thing about the slavery and CJ is like, so great that you put that up there because I was thinking that that was like the next point I was going to, to go with as well. The, um, you know, gosh, late 90s, I took a class in public history at Portland State, and it was great. And it was in conjunction with the Oregon Historical Society. And we talked about this whole issue of, uh, of reenactment, but also as part of presenting and educating the public about uh, about the past, which, of course, is part of what the Oregon Historical Society does. But we read this book that focused on colonial Williamsburg. Um, and I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, you know, on the East Coast mm -hmm. there, it's basically, right, you know, this, you know, you could go and, and supposedly sort of inhabit what, I don't know, like 18th century, you know, colonial America or something. And and it's like what CJ was mentioning before, you know, people are in character and you're walking down the street and, you know, you're meant to feel like you're really walking down the street in that period. And, and then it came under scrutiny, you know, a, a few years back or several years back, because it was, of course, kind of the cleaned up Disneyland version of colonial America. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, where are the black people? Where, where's the slavery? Where's this and that? And, you know, it led, led us down to some really interesting discussions about, you know, presenting history for the general public and how much in context do you have to go before you feel like you understand what it was like to be a person in that period of time. And even prior to that, it's like, what is your point in doing it anyway? You know, so, I mean, I guess I would like to ask you, you know, as far as your personal interest and stuff, I mean, what is the point for you to kind of do this Viking thing? What are you trying to get at? Um, that, that's a good question that I've been asking myself recently. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess we can go back to the 80s when I was a kid. Um, I'm, I'm a big sword and sorcery fan. I played Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I got into mythology, like reading about Greek gods. Um, I found out about the Norse gods uh, and read their mythology and thought that was a hundred times more interesting than, than Greek mythology. Um, and I would play that out while playing Dungeons and Dragons in the eighties. And uh, to the point where my senior year in high school, I, I, co not a fit i wasn't a teacher's aide i was just a student um and and, and god bless her i had a teacher named miss mrs uh miss hartley and she was a very progressive for the 80s teacher and uh, she was our poetry honors english and uh, mythology teacher in my high school <laughs> and she she saw and i was like a jock in high school i had big muscles and was running around and doing that kind of thing and uh being a tough guy and everything in high school. And uh, anyway, she, she saw something in me and pulled me aside. And I remember what started it was I told her how I wanted to join the Marine Corps so I can kill the enemy or something like that, some stupid young dude stuff. <laughs> and then <laughs> she pulled me aside and she was the first person, first adult in my life who told me that I was more than that. And uh, so she talked me into getting into her creative writing class. And uh, so I started writing 
And she helped me out with that. And then later she talked, she found out I was into mythology. So she wanted me to get into mythology class. Uh, mythology was uh, that she taught her, her curriculum was mostly uh, Greek mythology, but they did a week on uh, Norse mythology. And then she found out I was totally into it. And uh, so she had me basically teach the Norse mythology class for two weeks. <laughs> Every day I would get up and I'd read something and I'd, I'd lead the class into what it, what it meant, what they were talking about and stuff like that. And uh, ever since then, I kind of liked Viking stuff. And then I joined the Navy and then uh, so sailed. Uh, not a lot of Viking stuff really going on there because I was just busy being in the United States Navy. And uh, when I got out, well, towards the end, I was up in Berkeley, California. I was stationed in Oakland, but I would go over to Berkeley all the time. And that's where the SCA kind of started. And so I met some SCA members there. And I was thinking about staying in Northern California when I got out of the Navy in 1993, but I ended up coming home to here and uh, joined the SCA here. And and that's kind of where the Viking thing took off. I was a, I was a Viking in the SCA. And this is at the time of uh, Braveheart. So everyone else was going Scottish. <laughs> Actually, we should interject here for those listeners who maybe don't know. We keep saying SCA, but that's the Society for Creative Anachronism, which is a, a big in, in a reenactment group. Yeah. yeah, they're the largest American, though international. But in America, they're the largest uh, historical reenactment group. And they have their own set of rules, which uh, some of which I, I I don't follow. So that's why I do what I do instead. But uh, yeah, so all, all through the '90s into the early aughts, I was in the S. I was in the SA for about nine, ten years. Uh, took a break from re historical reenactment for about ten years, and then, uh, but always had the interest. I've always collected things like little pieces of jewelry and stuff like that and then uh, I think it was 2013 or 2014 when I was up at the uh, uh, the, the Norse Scandinavian Museum up in Seattle mm -hmm. I think it's in Ballard yep. and I was up there and there was reenactors set up and my wife and kid and I were coming back from Leavenworth on vacation and we decided to stop in Seattle and I was like oh it's Viking days there and so we decided to drop in on our way home to Portland and there were people that I knew <laughs> and it, it and I don't know what it was it just really and I and I saw what they were doing and they were doing something much more high fidelity than what I was used to in the past and uh my, my wife and I decided to to get into it at the level that we're into it now I actually found a guy named Corey down here in Portland who had experience uh he's an American member of Regia Anglorum which is a huge, very, very strict, high fidelity and historically accurate group in England. And uh, he had a prior group, but he was like rekindling that old flame like I was. And so we got together and ended up forming Timberhaven based off of some Regia Anglorum uh, principles. And he now lives in Spokane and I'm having the honor. And if he, I'm sure he's going to hear this podcast. So, hey, what's up, Corey? But uh, <laughs> hi, Corey. I'm having the he started a new group, yeah. <laughs> he, started shout a new group. He, and, uh, he and his new uh Viking buddy Sean started a new group up in Spokane, and I'm kind of jumping him then to uh, we have our all thing in two weeks, Northwest Viking Alliance all thing, and uh, I'm kind of sponsoring his new group into the into the the alliance, and so I'm I'm kind of proud because. Corey started Timberhaven and now he's starting this new group <laughs> and I have the honor of bringing them in and making them official. So I'm nice. kind of happy about that. Nice. So to take this in a slightly different direction. But yeah. As far as what my interest, I mean, I, I, I honestly can't tell you what my interest is. What I'm getting out of it now is I'm, I'm learning to do things like make belts and, uh, I, I was explaining this to somebody this weekend that uh, you know, some apocalyptic fantasy in my head where like, if there was no electricity, I can still make belts. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's kind of neat. <laughs> and that's what it boils down to. Like if, if there's a, if, if, if we go all uh, the road, Corm, you know, rest in peace, Cormac <laughs> and McCarthy. 
<laughs> but uh, if we go all the road, I can make belts. <laughs> so to take this in a slightly different uh, direction, are you are you a fan of the Lord of the Rings? Absolutely, yes. Okay, and you're familiar with just the three just names. for my birthday, just. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, just for my birthday, a friend of mine gave me uh, a new collection of the four books. They're all leather bound. They almost look like Bibles. And uh, so I'm going to I'm finishing up another couple other books here. But hopefully by the fall, I'll be able to break into the. It seems I read The uh, Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings once every 20 years. And so I'm due. Last time I read them was when the movies came out. Okay. Yeah, so there's a question we like to ask because we are coming toward the end of the hour here. And so we like to throw some kind of oddball questions in, in people's directions. Terry, I think you know the direction I'm taking this one. I'm going to. Oh, I do. Where I'm going to steer this boat <laughs> into the ditch. <laughs> into the... <laughs> you see the rocks over there? Yeah, let's see them right there. <laughs> uh, so the. the We're going to go right Rings. into them. <clears throat> yeah, the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I believe our PG-13 in rating. With a PG-13 rating, you get one F-bomb, which Peter Jackson did not elect to put into his movies, thank goodness, because I don't, it doesn't really have a place there. However, the question I pose to you is, if you could insert an F-bomb in any of the original three movies, we won't count The Hobbit, uh, we'll just do the, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy. If you could throw one in there, where would it be? Hmm. <laughs> this is so random. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I haven't been asked this question before. <laughs> I've, I've seen, I've seen it. I'm, I'm trying. I've seen it. I've, I've, I've gone through a couple of your guys' podcasts. I've seen the question asked. Kind of forgot. I should have came up with something cool and witty, but now I'm going off the cuff here. Um, how about when? Uh, the Balrog shows up, and then uh, um, um, Gandalf uh, drops an F bomb there and goes, "Ah, oh, fuck, man!" And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then he does, "Oh, you shall not pass." Yeah. <laughs> uh, or it could be like, you know, instead of "Run, you fools!" Run, you effers. <laughs> <laughs> mine was mine, and, I, and it, it, it's. I, I maintain. I still think this is the best part. The best place to put it is when King Theoden is on his horse, and the Nazgul is coming right for him, and he does that that turnabout where he's like, uh, he doesn't say anything in the movie. He just kind of <laughs> he just grimaces, and I just think um, if good old Bernard had just been like, oh, <laughs> and then he gets eaten. <laughs> you know whacked around so well is kind of the parallel um I, i'm i'm trying to picture in my head in the last hour if i've cussed on this podcast uh again i'm an ex-sailor so i i cuss really good and a lot and so i've been like trying to hold back so i'm, I'm glad you asked the question i think i did just drop an f-bomb but <laughs> yeah i did you did and it was by my invitation and don't worry the editing floor is will be kind <laughs> to you sir <laughs> Just a quick. Oh, you should hear me going sometimes. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I was a good sailor. I mean, I was not only was I a sailor, but I was a sailor sailor. I was a bosun's mate in the Navy. So, <laughs> so I'm, I was literally swabbing decks. It was like, ah, swabbing decks. Huh? Yeah. Every day, a couple times a day, my, the whole time I was in. And then later on towards the end, I was telling other people to swab decks and I go swab decks with them. <laughs> nice. Oh, fantastic. Great. Uh, Terry, anything else? Um, I don't think so. Thank you again for being on and talking to us a little bit about this different kind of interpretation of the Viking Age. And we, like I said before, we'll go ahead and put some links to your site um, in the in the show notes so people can check it out if they're interested, if they're in this the greater Portland area and maybe interested in, in joining up, learning some things about what it means to be a Viking in the 21st century. Um, but um, yeah. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope our paths cross again soon, Gabriel. This would be, I think, uh, maybe maybe yeah. this summer. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, thank you for inviting me. And uh, this, this was a this is the third podcast I've been on in my life. I've done a few years ago over some other subjects. Um, I just do want to show off that I am. There's going to be more, but I got this book for my birthday last month. The English version of unearthing okay. Hedeby. 
Nice. And so that that's it's it's a you know not historically accurate, but it has all the historically accurate stuff in it. But I just want mm-hmm. I just want to show it off because I'm very nice. proud of it. Um, it was my 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 wife and my dad and my aunt all pitched in money and got it for me, and it, it's expensive. <laughs> And also the book is huge and weighs about 24 pounds, but uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, uh, yeah if any of you listeners uh, want to come see us, our next big public event is the Viking beer festival at Nordic Northwest, August 25th and 26th. Come check us out. I'll have a lot of Northwest Viking Alliance people there as well. I'll and be there important. and I'll actually be fresh off the plane from about three and a half weeks in Denmark. So Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll give a shout out to Hedeby for you. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. I will. I'm, I'm kind of shifting a lot of my impression from Ripa to, uh, to Hedeby. So. Nice. Great. All right. Well, thanks well. again for coming on. Yeah. It's been great. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.